You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Monday, a Day after we had these two games over the weekend for the New Orleans Pelicans, games three and four, drastically different results. Game three resulted in a big win, game four a big loss, and all of a sudden the series is 3-1 in favor of the Golden State Warriors as we get ready for game five coming up soon. So we're going to talk about games three, games four, and then we'll talk about where the Pelicans kind of go from here in this series. And even if they do lose in a gentleman sweep, is that a bad thing necessarily? Because I don't think it is. I think you've seen this team play pretty well overall in the series and just maybe Golden State is a little bit better than them. And so that's what we'll talk about today. The game plan in Game 3 was fantastic. They really did deserve that victory there. Game 4 was weird and for a number of reasons, but I don't have that much fault with it, to be perfectly honest. Sometimes the better team just wins out, and I think that's what it was. So let's just dive right on into everything in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So let's start with the fun one, Game 3. This was the game where New Orleans won 119-100 to make this, at the time, a 2-1 to series in favor of Golden State. But you had to feel maybe momentum was shifting for New Orleans and building it up here for them. A game where they had a 26-point lead and basically did everything right. You kind of look at all of this and go back and rewatch it and look at the shot charts and everything. Man, they played some excellent basketball on both sides. You know, holding the Warriors to just 100 points. And the Warriors did this on 38% shooting overall and just 29% shooting from three. They were nine of 31 um, from deep. And the first thing I said after this game was Warriors people are going to look at this and say, well, they had an off night. They didn't shoot well. And then you got to dive a little bit deeper. And Alvin Gentry didn't want to talk about the game plan after and what they did to kind of put Golden State in this poor shooting night. But you look at the shot chart and they forced him into some really bad shots overall. A lot of mid-range jumpers, a lot of long twos, different things like that. They weren't giving them those inside looks. And the Warriors score a lot of points in the paint. They weren't giving that to them whatsoever. And if you look at it, those restricted area, it's a lot lighter than when you look at the shot charts for games one and two. And I tweeted it out to point that out because one of the reasons they had this poor shooting night wasn't that they were just off and they weren't playing well. It was that New Orleans forced them out of their rhythm, out of their game plan, and came in and did exactly what they needed to do to make Golden State struggle with shooting and you saw it kind of forced these guys to be a little bit more passive than we're used to seeing them. Durant took just 18 field goal attempts, hit eight of them because he was being harassed all night long with it. Draymond Green was three of eight on the night for just 11 points. Durant had 22. You had Clay Thompson get a little bit hotter, but he was nine of 22 for you know 41% from the field overall for just 26 points. Steph Curry was 6 of 19. All these guys shot poorly because New Orleans was doing a good job of individually defending each and every one of them and not giving them a lot of room. And then when they did start to drive, keeping them away from the paint by allowing Draymond Green to just be open, you kept Anthony Davis near the rim more. So when those guys started to attack and you see AD down there, yeah, you're going to think a little bit twice about this because that's not the guy you want to run into right under the basket. 
And then combine that with New Orleans being hot and shooting incredibly well. 50% from the field, 45.2% from above the three-point line, 14 of 31 overall there. That's going to lead to a very good night. Each one more with 13 points. Nikola Mirotic, who was shooting a little bit better, not tremendous, but he was three of five from deep. And sometimes it's as simple as that. If he's doing well, this team's going to do well. He had 16 points. Anthony Davis, after a quiet first half, really got going in the second 15 of 27 on the night for 33 points and 18 rebounds. By the way, Miritich also with 13 rebounds. So a big game from him, particularly in the second half after the starters and everyone else did most of the work for the first half holiday. Put in 21 points, uh, 5 assists, 7 rebounds. And then playoff Rondo had the most playoff Rondo stat line ever. 4 points. 21 assists, 10 rebounds. He was great on the night orchestrating the offense and doing what he does. Then you had a Solomon Hill sighting where at one point he was three from three from deep to keep this game just rolling. That's how hot the Pelicans were. When Solomon Hill hits three threes um, to start off his night, that's going to be a good sign for how things are going to go. Ian Clark was big, 18 points off the bench. You know, the bench is where Golden State wanted to maybe make a run in this with the starters being less effective and being outshot by New Orleans. And Ian Clark kept the Pelicans in this one and not even in it, but kept building on that lead and didn't let those leads get kind of get whittled away any time Golden State went on a run. They had 54 points in the paint um, and then just kind of did what they wanted. And Golden State was so bad defensively, New Orleans didn't really need to get out and run as much as they need, as they usually do and as much as they have in this series. So, you see things kind of changing. The pace was still fast. It was 105. It hasn't been like the 112 that we're used to seeing right now, which has been tremendous from New Orleans, not shying away from this team. So they showed that they can play in the half court a little bit, that they can then stifle this Golden State attack with bad shot attempts, forcing them away from the paint, keeping them less aggressive. And it was great. You think there's some real good things to build off of here and that the team could keep this going. But as when we talk about game four, we're going to realize, yeah, maybe not. This is Golden State. They're going to rebound. Uh, bounce back is probably the better term to use than rebound as well as anyone else in the league and they're going to make life very very difficult for New Orleans in game three you saw whistles still not have the same kind of evenness maybe that people are looking for in this series you saw Golden State go to line 26 times compared to just 12 for New Orleans though you saw Anthony Davis get there three times through holiday four times so at least that's good that they're getting to the line after the the lack of trips in games two you know I didn't think officiating was that bad in game one I've said that I thought it was uh, a little bit worse in game two but again nothing egregious that people kind of want to go on rants and stuff about you know I'm not going to do that just to get retweets and likes on things um, from people because there's it really wasn't that bad game three was fine and it showed New Orleans can win without just getting to the line and without needing that necessarily and that's kind of one of the things you got to keep in mind there's a lot of factors that go into these basketball games winning or losing and one thing usually just isn't the sole reason why might help it might change some things but it's not the sole reason why so New Orleans 12 times that's better than really what they've had before kind of Um, and you thought again the officiating was fine in this one didn't see that anything that was kind of surprising there the you know Warriors at times are more physical than New Orleans is and yes they do get some calls that maybe they shouldn't and maybe Draymond Green's uh, not maybe it is is officiated differently than anyone we're going to talk about him and some other stuff with him at the end of the podcast here but overall like yeah this guy was 
you know, I think everything was fine there. I think you're starting to see it even out. I do like, though, that the Smoothie King Center scoreboard operators who were tweeting at me the other day, too. Hi, guys. Um, we're putting up the disparity in the free throws, the total free throw attempts for the series up there to try and fire up the Smoothie King Center crowd. I thought that was kind of cool and funny because this was one of the big talking points going into Game 3. But anyway, New Orleans wins in dominant fashion, showing that when they go out and they shoot well, and they play good defense, and they did. And I mean, they swamped Golden State, particularly in that third quarter when they pushed this lead. Can play with anybody. Might take a bit of an off night from Golden State, but you can't just solely say it was that because New Orleans deserves credit for what they did defensively to keep the Warriors out of a rhythm and out of what they want to be doing. Don't forget Lockdown NBA five days a week, Monday through Friday, and I'm there every Wednesday co-hosting with John Carras of Lockdown Celtics. And we got a game on Tuesday that's going to be kind of big here. So we will be, of course, recapping that on the national podcast, giving the Pelicans some love, hopefully, up there, win or lose. We'll still be we'll still be pretty nice to them. So make sure you subscribe and listen to Locked On NBA Daily. For all that went right for New Orleans in Game 3 and everything, the focus, the aggression, and all of that that they came out with doing what they wanted to do, it kind of all went away for Game 4, and I'm not really sure what happened here. One, I think Golden State knew they needed to end this game, win this game, and then send the series back to Golden State with a chance to win it and, and finish off the Pelicans in advance to the Western Conference Finals. And to do so, and to make sure they really put kind of this maybe nail in the coffin against New Orleans here, the Warriors started the death lineup, the Steph Curry, Thompson, Green, Durant, Iguodala lineup that is so difficult and has just burned opponents over the past number of years. And those guys came out ready to play, really led by Kevin Durant, who after apparently a late night, quote, long ass text message, end quote, from uh, Draymond Green that he woke up to, came out super aggressive. He texted back supposedly just, I got you, and knew what he needed to do after kind of a quiet performance from him, just 22 points in Game 3. He looked very much like an MVP candidate this game. Coming out in 36 minutes of 15 of 27 shooting, 2 of 5 from deep, 6 of 6 from the line for 38 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists. He was everywhere and just could not miss. And if you look at his shot chart, it's actually not... Horrible if you're the Pelicans. He had a couple of threes that just fell in over contested guys. He was trying to post up Drew Holiday. Holiday kept him out of the paint into long fadeaway twos that he just couldn't miss from whatsoever. And when those guys are going to be on like that, there's not a whole lot that you can do, and they're just going to win games. It's kind of one of those things. They shot 48.4% on the night the Golden State Warriors did compared to 36.4% for New Orleans. New Orleans made 4 of 26 threes, 15.4%. Golden State Warriors were 11 of 33. You know, there you go. That's kind of the game right there. Now, they did it by taking a lot of tough shots and making a lot of them. And at one point, they were shooting throughout the first quarter close to 75%. There's not many teams that you're going to be able to beat like that. And when Durant's on like that, good luck. He could have had two more threes easily that went about halfway down before rimming out. Iguodala had six points. Draymond Green just eight. He was, again, three of nine on the night. You had Klay Thompson not have the greatest night, 13 points. Steph Curry with 23. But Kevon Looney had seven. Quinn Cook got going with 12. And the bench put in some of the other points that this team needed to get it done because New Orleans bench did not show up to play in this one other than garbage time, which at that point it was really well decided. For the Pelicans, your leading scorer was Anthony Davis. Eight from 22 uh, shooting on the night, 36.4%. Did go to the line 10 times, 
just 26 points and 12 boards. But here's the thing. In the second half, after the Pelicans made a run to close the, the end of the half and to keep themselves only down seven, which after the first quarter of 37 to 22, all things considered, that's pretty good. But New Orleans really needed their star player and their leader to take care of business in the second half and potentially lead them to a victory. And when he didn't show up and couldn't get things done, well then, yeah, you know, it's going to be a bad lopsided loss for New Orleans. And that is exactly what happened in this one. You know, didn't get much help from anyone else, let's say. Etoine Moore was good, 20 points on the night, getting active, moving around, trying to score inside. But the Warriors' paint defense was fantastic in the half court. You had Drew Holiday with 19 points, um, 3 assists, 7 rebounds. Rondo with 6 points, uh, 11 rebounds, 9 or sorry, yeah, 11 rebounds and just six assists. So he was kind of bottled up too. And then you had Nikola Mirotich go one of seven on the night and for just seven points to get to the line. And New Orleans got to the line in this one. They, I think, out, yep, they got to the line 30 times compared to just 18 for Golden State. But it shows you that it's not just all about free throws and officiating and getting to the line because you can do that and you can lose. And that's not going to get it done in this one. You needed a big game from Anthony Davis, and whether it's he didn't show up or they couldn't find the way to get him the ball, which is part of it too, you know, you saw the Warriors really deny entry passes to him in the low post, get their arms and lanes and seams and passing lanes just weren't there in this one that had been there in other games in this series. It's going to make life uh, very difficult to try and win. New Orleans had 19 turnovers in this one. We know that when they get close to 20, it's not going to do it. You've got to keep that around 15 or less, and that's compared to just 11 for the Golden State Warriors. And, you know, when we did the preview with Aliko Carter from Locked On Warriors, and I talked about it too, turnover battle was going to be key to this because you want to get out, you want to play fast, and when you're not turning the other opponent over, and just, again, 11 for Golden State, the New Orleans Pelicans only had 11 fast break points. They weren't able to play with that pace and everything that they want to be doing in this one. And, well, yeah, here you go. It's 118-92, to 92, a game where Golden State now had a lead as big as 26 in it. You can get the points in the paint, but if you don't do everything else, it's not going to work out for you. The pace in this one was fast, too, close to 110. It was 109 and some change, and you still can't get what you wanted. And you held them to not having that many fast break opportunities, too. Just 15 fast break points for the Golden State Warriors. New Orleans had 17 second chance points off offensive rebounds, trying to do what they could to score and it wasn't enough partially because the defense wasn't as good these guys were hitting shots and you've got to get offense going too it was funny late in the game I was sitting with two friends of mine and one of uh I was saying you know you've got to get stops I'm not worried as much about the offense if you just can't stop Golden State from scoring and they weren't at the time you're not going to win my friend looks at me and goes you know they they still need to score too thanks Tyler and it was like yeah you but you get what I mean it doesn't matter if you're not be, if, if they're going to keep scoring and you're already down, it's not going to matter at all. You had to get stops. But then you saw the offense, and they just couldn't get anything going. Turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. It was a bad look. And this team just kind of walked away with, yep, nothing you could do here. And, you know, this is why they struggle in the half court. You can, and we'll talk about, this is going to take up a ton of the offseason talk, is the Cousins stuff. Would they have been better with or without Cousins? And things were being tweeted and thrown out there about it. Look, they need another player here to try and take on the scoring load when one guy is kind of the focus of everything, and that was Anthony Davis by the defense, and they weren't able to get it done. Um, and then it doesn't help when your bench does absolutely nothing. Solomon Hill had three points, and then Ian Clark had 11 points, a number of those coming late in the fourth in garbage time when the game was already decided. 
No one else scored on the bench for the Pelicans in this one. So that tells you kind of how this one went when you get basically zero bench production. And this was something they needed. You've got to win those minutes when Anthony Davis isn't out there or Joe Holiday isn't out there. And then New Orleans just wasn't able to get that done. It's going to lead to a bad lopsided defeat that makes you kind of look at it and be like, oh, that was that was bad. The, the Warriors are also just a better team. And I said it, the defense wasn't terrible at times. And they forced Golden State into tough shots. And when they're just hitting them, and they were, and Durant was in particular, there's just nothing you can do. It's the shrug emoji where you just kind of throw it up and be like, I don't know. I don't know what you want from me here. They did everything they could. And this is just a better team right now. And that's okay. Don't forget, check out LockedOnPelicans.com. I'm going to be having a lot of coverage for you of Game 5 of the offseason and everything you need to know about your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans. So make sure you check it daily over at LockedOnPelicans.com. So before we wrap up today's podcast, got to talk about a little bit of a controversy that I saw kind of erupting towards the end of the game to the point where Draymond Green was asked about it in the postgame press interviews and everything in. Someone, and we're not going to go into names or anything like that, we're not here to shame people, talking about how Draymond Green, hoped Draymond Green was shot, would be shot in the face, and based off of the crime rate in New Orleans, there's a very good chance of that happening, and this just straight up is not good tweeting, and the person then apologized saying they did it because they thought it was an edgy joke, and if you're trying to throw out edgy things or do something for likes, retweets, what have you, you're taking the wrong approach to this. Whoever you are, whether you're a sports person, and there's tons of sports media people who do that, local and non-local, that just look for jokes, retweets, things like that to boost their online presence. If you're doing that, and it sounds like that's what this guy was trying to do, hope it kind of went viral and was funny. It turns out it wasn't, and now he's deleted his Twitter account. Draymond Green tweeted at him looking for a ban because you don't ever want to take a basketball game that seriously to the point where you hope someone gets shot and killed or that you're willing to make a joke about it. It's not funny. It's not cool. It's anything like that. I think Draymond Green is as annoying of a player in the league on the court. 100% agree with you guys. His antics and everything, the screaming in people's faces, the dirty play. And yeah, it is dirty at times. And he can say it's, hey, no, I'm just trying to win the game. And you try and win the game by whatever means necessary. Yeah, I think you do try and win the game by whatever means necessary. If that means throwing cheap fouls and getting to the free throw line like what James Harden and some of these other people do, zero problem with that. I don't like dirty play where players might get hurt. We've seen trips, and I don't like what Rondo did either, you know, attempting to really trip Steph Curry. That was pretty bad too, so it applies to more than just Draymond Green. But you never want a guy to be shot or hurt from it, no matter how annoying they are, no matter how differently officiated you think they are. And that's just a bad look all around, and I'm not happy to see that coming from Pelicans fans because this was some of the best atmosphere and games I've ever seen in the Smoothie King Center in my 9, 10 years of doing this, basically. And I really think Game 3 was the all-time best. Game 4 rivaled it for a period of time and probably would have been the all-time best had New Orleans kept this game close and kept the credit. The crowd and fans engaged throughout the game, and it wasn't just a blowout at the end. But it's been awesome there. You don't even see a lot of Golden State gear in the crowd. And going back three years ago, New Orleans wore yellow t-shirts or put those out for everyone in one of the games because they wanted to drown out all the Golden State colors that you're going to see. It's been red for all of the home games so far, and you don't see any of the opposing fans in there making a big presence. That's impressive for a team on a historic run like Golden State is to not have those bandwagon fans really show up. 
Now, it might help that Jazz Fest keeps them away from New Orleans and traveling because, my God, our hotel's expensive and flight's expensive right now. But you're not seeing the locals that normally go dressed up in Steph Curry gear, Kevin Durant gear like you have in the past. And I think it's been awesome. So to have it marred by that, I think, is a bad look. It's not reflective of all Pelicans fans as a whole. Even though that guy they're saying it's based out of Rustin and does some stuff in New Orleans and other places too. So I think this is representative of the fan base. And it's disappointing to see. So like I said, before I get off the soapbox here, don't do things for retweets or likes or anything like that. It's no point to it. And it's going to end up being a bad look overall. Um, I think we all kind of just say Twitter sucks at times. But yeah, it's necessarily and you've got to use it for kind of sports reporting and to kind of keep up what's going on with your favorite team. But other than this one dude, like I said, the fans have been awesome you guys with the pelicans hats on that i was talking to last night that i ran into that i retweeted before and that's been all over the place those are great hats and the story they were telling me how long it took to find pelicans hats and the things they had to search on amazon to find something that worked for this is awesome that's commitment and what i like to see from people here the scoreboard operators knowing to throw up the free throw disparity even though i don't think it's actually that bad sorry still can get the crowd fired up it's great to see also throwing up drew holiday's wife and child on there baby drew is a really cool thing as well so everyone is doing a fantastic job around the team right now fans have been awesome there's you know i can tell you the podcast numbers are up across the board when i was talking to scott kushner the other day about things too it was up across the board for him in terms of re uh, clicks and, and reading and everything everyone's excited about this team right now and we need to keep it that way and keep it positive and going forward because this is a lot of fun isn't it more people in the season ticket holder beer garden more people walking around just high-fiving strangers having fun at the games i was out at jazz fest wearing a pelicans hat one day i don't know if the guy knew who i was but just saw a guy in a pelicans hat and goes go pels to me that was awesome that's the kind of atmosphere and community we want around this team because that's when things are great and when people crave this coverage it's only good for everybody so good for you new orleans and to the people that have watched at home to the people who've gone to the arena who are out at bars watching these games it's been a lot of fun covering this team and being in the midst of all of you during this playoff run so i'm sad to hear about this one incident but overall i think that such good things have come out of this and it's been so positive overall you can't really complain and man Smoothie King Center in Game 3, that was a special time. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow to preview the game.